the best in coverage. WXDX FM Pittsburgh, an iHeart Radio station. Here's one of the most ridiculous things I've heard ever. Dan Bilesma, the former Penguins coach, he told ESPN that, quote, Sid is not the best player in the world skill-wise, unquote. Sid is not the best hockey player in the world skill-wise, unquote. Okay, Dan, if Sid isn't, who is? Because some players are in Sid's class. McDavid and Gino, maybe Matthews, whoever. But why the frig would Dan Bosma say that? Seriously, why? Because it just invites crazy criticism of Coach Dan and all the criticism I'm about to throw at you is deadly accurate. Bosma won a cup his first year with the Penguins and then his ego ran wild. He constantly outsmarted himself and as a result, the Penguins underachieved during his tenure a tenure that probably lasted too long. And then Mike Sullivan came to Pittsburgh and won two cups. And Dan totally effed up the U.S. Olympic team in 2014. And then Dan went to Buffalo, made Jack Eichel hate him inside of 15 minutes. And now Dan Bosma is totally unemployable as a coach. And if Dan thinks he's any good on TV, I'm afraid I've got some bad news. Bosma can say what he wants about Sid, but it better duck, because a lot of people are going to return fire. Bosma never got Sid. Neither did Ray Shiro, the GM then. Those two were more comfortable with Ham and Eggers, mediocre players, than they were with superstars and the culture that goes with that. Bosma was more comfortable with Craig Adams in the coach's office, drinking coffee, and playing in Pittsburgh for more than six full seasons. A fourth-line curtain jerker playing that long in one place, and at one point, he got a two-year deal. Dan Bosma was a jabroni coach who loved jabroni players. Into the arena. I couldn't go to the end. It's just too long. Brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping you build the right way since 1956. I hate to give out shameless plugs, but that's pretty much what the show is. Michael Schenker's so good, most of you have never heard him or seen him play. Carnegie Musical on Homestead tonight. Don't forget, if you heard him when he was on the show, you know he's half nuts, more than half nuts, so you never know when's going to be the last chance to see him. 412 333 9939 is the number two call. Pens and the Flyers tonight. As I said a few moments ago, I am out of hate speech about the Flyers. Maybe after tonight I'll have some more. Maybe for the playoffs I'll have some more. But the Flyers used to be the Penguins' overlords, and now the Penguins are the Flyers' overlords. Flyers are having a good season. I don't see them as a threat. Uh, San Flippo talked about Claude Giroux as MVP. I will say, to lose 10 straight games early in the year and be fighting for first now and for Giroux to be number six 
in NHL scoring. That gets Giroux some cachet. But to me, NHL MVP is between Malkin and Kucherov. And the secondary list is people like Giroux and Taylor Hall in New Jersey. And yeah, I just said Giroux. I wanted to say the ironic. And yeah, maybe Claude Giroux. But maybe not. Seriously, who else should be on that short list? I think it's a two-man list. Malkin and Kucherov. And whoever makes the list as third official finalist will have accomplished something. I would say Nathan McKinnon, except, well, okay, here's a circumstance where McKinnon could be a finalist, not the winner. They did so good at the beginning when McKinnon was going great guns, and then he got hurt. And then they kind of fell off, but now McKinnon's back, not going at quite the pace he was production-wise, but still very good. If they can make the playoffs, and McKinnon finishes top 10 in scoring, he could be a finalist. But that's what it would take. I can never give MVP to a guy on a team that doesn't make the playoffs. I also have a hard time giving MVP to Taylor Hall if he finishes out of the top 10 in scoring. It's not supposed to be easy to win. 412 Let's go to Scott in Greensburg. Scott, you're on a Mark Madden show. Scott, turn your radio down, okay? Goodbye, Scott. You idiot. You've been on hold for how long? And I hope you left your radio on now because you can hear me say, Scott, you're an idiot. You're an idiot. You're probably going to run out of gas in a couple seconds. You idiot. If you want to call back, don't. I can't believe Bilesma said that about Sid. Now, don't get me wrong. There is some debate as to whether Sid's the best player right now. I just don't know where Dan Bosma gets off saying that. Sid, McDavid, Gino. How about Gino? After a couple off years. The last three years, though, he has fully re-injected himself into the discussion for best player. Whereas at one time, I thought he clearly dropped out of the top five and maybe even out of the top 10. Oh, boy, here's another Le'Veon Bell quote. I'm paraphrasing because it's longer than I want to read. I might show up for the first game. I might show up in week 10. I might not show up at all. It depends on how I feel at the moment. Just that he's teasing not showing up till week 10, which is the latest he could show up, But, boy, he's forfeiting almost a million dollars every game. Week 10, the latest he could show up and still burn his accountability to the Steelers for the franchise tag this year. I wonder, I'm going to talk to Dejan Kovacevic about this a a little bit later. I wonder what the choke point is for Art Rooney, too, when it comes to dealing with Le'Veon Bell. This is where you're going to find out how much of his father, Art II, really has in him. Because Dan was in charge when they let Franco Harris go to Seattle. They had just had enough of dealing with Franco Harris and his ego and his greed. And let me tell you, 
Franco had ego. Franco had greed. Le'Veon Bell's ego and greed dwarfs those qualities, negativities, dwarfs those facets of Franco's personality. Ten times the ego, twice the greed. That's what Le'Veon Bell has over Franco Harris. And you'll recall they let Mike Merriweather walk too, the linebacker. At what point does Art II just reach into his father's psyche and say, I'm tired of dealing with this guy. This isn't how we do business. And what would your reaction be if he did that? Well, here's a hockey note that uh, just crossed my my, uh, vision. Pierre Maguire has been appointed to replace Scotty Bowman on the Hockey Hall of Fame selection committee. Scotty reached his 15-year term limit, so Pierre's going to replace him, and uh, I think that's an honor well-deserved, and I think Pierre will do a terrific job. Maybe he can finally get Barrasso in. Let's go to Dave in Fox Chapel. Dave, you're on with Mark. Hey, Mark. I don't know why there's really like a debate over who the NHL MVP is going to be uh, whenever it's almost always a person with a scoring title. Uh, that's not like necessarily true. How often does that yeah. happen? Uh, I looked it up real quickly. I think like three times in the last 20 years, and I think one of those was a goalie. So so three times in the last 20 years, uh, That that's all that uh, – that's the only times that the scoring title, the scoring champion, has also been MVP. I don't think that's true. I don't know. Just I looked it up. I think last time was 2011. Okay, let me see. But, Connor McDavid was both last year, correct? Correct. Patrick Kane was both last year. I don't think Jamie Benn was the MVP in 2015, was he? Uh, no. Uh, yeah, probably not. Okay, uh, let me look here. This is tough. No, he was not. Sidney Crosby was scoring champion in 2013-14. Was he the MVP then? Uh, boy, this this sucks to try to look this up all at once because my memory is not what it used to be. Uh, our trophy, yes, Sid was the MVP then. Uh, you, you're right. It appears to work out that way quite a bit of the time. Uh, let me let me run this up the flagpole, though. Malkin, let's say that, uh-oh, Juventus scored twice on Tottenham in like 90 seconds. Tottenham teetering on elimination for the Champions League. Liverpool already qualifying for the next round. No big deal. Uh, oh, uh, what if Kucherov wins the scoring title? Bagino maintains his total dominance since January 1st. Actually, if Gino maintains his total dominance since January 1st, He'll catch Kucherov for the scoring title, but but let's just say that happens. Don't voters tend to remember what happens later in the season more than earlier? Yeah, I would think so. And is that something that's voted on right after the season? Or is it after the playoffs that that? No, no, after the season, the playoffs do not figure in. The playoffs have the Conn Smythe Trophy for MVP, which is a totally separate award. Let's go to Shane on the road. Shane, very quickly, you're on with Double M. Hey Mark, uh, I'm just calling to ask what was uh what was said about Crosby by Balsma. I missed it. I uh, just caught your caught your show a little late here. You could have googled that, huh? I did. I didn't find anything recently that he said. Balsma told ESPN that Crosby is not the most skilled player in hockey currently. It's not like a burning insult, but uh, I don't know why your ex coach would say that about you 
when you're still very much near the top of hockey's heat. Oh, absolutely, and, and he seems to be quite irrelevant these days in the league as well. Anyway, oh, well, so. Dan, Dan let the Penguin nods a lot more than Sid has. No question oh, about that. You know, Sid, Sid, Sid's still getting really highly paid to be an employee of the Penguins, whereas Dan does bits and pieces on TV, and there is no interest. And the Rock means zero interest from any team vis-a-vis Dan coaching in the NHL again. And by that I mean zero interest. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. We got Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour talking hockey. Mike Rupp just tweeted, whoever wants a dose of playoff hockey to get the juices flowing, Penguins and Flyers, doesn't get much better than this. Woo! I added the woo. 105.9. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Double M, big fan, big fan. Well, no, I just said, I don't know what I said. I don't know what you said. Yeah, double M. Yeah? The X at 105.9. I've been mentioning on Twitter, and I talked about today on the show, that Todd Gurley from the LA Rams had a better year last year than Le'Veon Bell. Uh, Rex tweeted, Bell and Gurley are not even close. Bell, best back in the world. Stop it. Okay, let me read the stats again. And then I challenge you to call me and tell me how Bell's better than Gurley. Call me and tell me exactly how Bell is better than Gurley. Gurley had 1,305 yards rushing last year and a 4.7-yard average. Bell had 1,291 yards rushing last year and a 4-yard average. So Gurley had 14 yards more than Bell, which is negligible. But he averaged 0.7 yards more per carry than Bell, which is sizable. Gurley had 788 yards receiving and a 12.3-yard average. Bell had 655 yards receiving and a 7.7-yard average. Bell had a lot more catches than Gurley, but Gurley had a lot more yards receiving and a much higher yards per catch than Bell. So I want you to call and tell me exactly, specifically, how Gurley is it better than Bell. And you're going to tell me, well, Lev Bell's such a great pass blocker on the blitz, and he is good at that. But that's the only thing you could stir in, and it's a very minor point. Well, maybe Ben wouldn't think so. It's the only thing you could stir in that suggests Bell is better than Gurley. One thing I can say with absolute certainty, Gurley had a better year statistically than Lev Bell last year and did it at one quarter the price, roughly. Gurley made 3.4 mil, and Bell, of course, made, what was it, uh, 10-something, 11-something. He's going to make 14-5 this year on the cap. What it was last year slips my mind, but it wasn't $3.4 million. So please do tell me exactly how Todd Gurley's not better than Lev Bell. Call and tell me exactly. You can't. You can't do it, and I bet you're all too scared to call. 412-333-9939. I got a great video posted today. On the Mark Madden page at WXDX.com. It's highlights from uh, February 2nd, 1989. Penguins at Flyers. Penguins win 5-3 and end the 42-game winless streak for the Penguins. 
at the Spectrum in Philadelphia. Now listen to all the stuff you can see in this little highlight clip. Two Penguin announcers each score a goal. Borkaneri. Jay Caulfield, the between periods analyst, gets in a fight. Mike Bullard, the ex-Penguin, scores for Philadelphia. Rick Tockett, a future Penguin, has a cameo for the Flyers. Wendell Young in goal, the Penguins' third-string goalie. Well, he was the third-string goalie in, in the first cup year. I'm not sure where exactly he was in the depth chart that year, but he played, and he played a, a real good game. The Flyers pulled their typical shenanigans when confronted with defeat. That's no surprise. Oh, and the legendary DVE morning team of Scott Paulson and Jim Crenn went on the ice at the Spectrum before the game, dressed, frankly, in very offensive quasi African-American, not African-American, African witch doctor outfits with the bone through the nose and the face paint. You could never do that today. People would go absolutely ape, you know what. But uh, it's an amazing piece of video. A lot to see in a very short clip. Okay, now we got all these people lined up. And we're going to a break. And we're going to talk to Mike Rupp. But Big Z, Bill, Rex, and Adam, you can stay on hold for the length of the Mike Rupp interview, and we'll get you really quickly. Because I do want people to tell me exactly how Bell's better than Gurley. Because there's nothing tangible you can't suggest to prove it. Mike Rupp next, 105.9. This is Chad Riedel of the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on 105.9 DX. Joining me now for some of that best hockey talk, Ex of the Penguins, he won a couple of the Devils. You can see him on NHL Network and on AT&T Sportsnet. It's Mike Rupp. Rupper, we've talked about this before, but what is up with the Flyers? Because they just won't go away. No, they won't. And uh, they're getting Wayne Simmons back, so we'll see how he kind of fits in and gets reacquainted with playing. And if they can get him going, he's, he's going to be going on the third line where now all of a sudden you look at a team that you thought didn't have much depth at, at the forward position. I mean, they obviously don't have Penguins type depth, depth, but uh, they, they they're they're scary, they're dangerous, and uh, if they can get any kind of goaltending, which has obviously been an issue forever, uh, this team is is a team to that you're going to have to really uh, be on your toes to deal with. If there's a single catalyst to the Flyers' improvement this season, either a player or a facet to their game, what is it? What's one thing you could point at? Uh, I honestly would look at, you know, Jakub Voracek. Um, this guy's assists are unbelievable. The way he's really just drove offense. And we could talk about Claude Drew, and, and I like the way he's responded from a really off year last year. Sean Couture with the departure of Braden Shen has been uh, outstanding. But uh, Voracek, for me, is is really sneaking under the radar in this league this year is uh being a pretty dominant player night in, night out. And I think that that is he's distributing the puck, getting all the touches for everybody. And when you have guys doing that, he, he makes players around him better. I agree with you about Voracek. I want to talk as well about Claude Giroux. He's sixth in the league in scoring, but I've never seen him in a class with like a Crosby or a McDavid. What's your call on that with Giroux, Rupper? And is he an MVP candidate this year? Um, I don't think he's done enough to be an MVP candidate. He's 
certainly an MVP candidate for their team, but for the league-wide, I think there's been other guys that are putting together uh, a little better packages as far as with also being with other players who who uh, aren't carrying the workload like the guys in Philly are with Giroux. But uh, um, he's a guy for me that uh, I've always thought, and not that that matters in the playoffs, but he three-on-three, three, he's one of the most dangerous players on the ice in overtime uh, in the league, I believe. And he's just a guy where he, he does have a really high level. Even you know, playing against him, you got to see it all the time. His level of compete is is really up there. And I know he was banged up last year, and you're wondering what happened to Claude Giroux. He's responded, and uh, I, yeah, he's not up in that class. I would I would put him, you know, when you're talking about that next tier of players underneath um, the Crosby, uh, Malkin, Ovechkin, McDavid group, uh, I think he's certainly right in that next group with maybe like a Nick Backstrom in, in there, and, and he really has had a, a good career, and uh, he's still showing he can do it. People talk about being hard to play against. Wayne Simmons, who, like you said, is coming back tonight for Philadelphia after being injured, he might be the hardest guy to play against. He is such a thorn in the Penguins' side, Rupper. Yeah, he's he's a really unique player because um, you can almost let, – let's look if we remember years back, certainly not the case now, but with Milan Lucic when he was in Boston, when he's playing a top-six role, um, he, you – you almost have to answer to him at times. And what I mean by that is, you know, if I'm playing fourth line and we're playing against, um, you know, whatever team and I'm, and I'm trying to go in there and stir things up and, and you can get guys to ignore you and just, you know, they'll give you the old, uh, you know, they, they don't have to do anything because they're not lined up for you every shift. You're playing normally against the third and fourth line. Well, these guys are lined up to you. You have to deal with them. You have to address it at some point as far as, are you just going to keep turning your cheek and, and going away? Uh, are you going to give a little pushback? Wayne Simmons is a is a high end player that's been very consistent in his career. Uh, he's pretty much without getting banged up this year. He's he's pretty much a gimme for thirty goals. And there's not too many guys in the league that can say that because all of his goals are right around the net, tipping pucks. You know exactly where he's going to be. He's an interior guy that is really kind of similar in some ways, more offense, though. It's what Patrick Hornquist means to the Penguins. You know he's going to be around that net. He's going to uh, create havoc. It's going to make make life miserable for your goaltender. And then also at the end of the day, uh, if you have something to say about it, you can punch your lights out. The Penguins have won two straight games in overtime. What can you do against the Penguins playing three-on-three? It's a shame the playoffs aren't three-on-three. I think the Penguins would be a lock. How ridiculous is it? I, I love sitting there looking at different teams and saying, uh, well, what kind of personnel can these guys put out? And, and some teams can put out two really good three-on-three groups. Um, maybe some other teams that are a little bit deeper can put three that are really scary at the Penguins. I mean, they have so many combinations you can put out there. I mean, you can have, um, even from uh, the defensive side of it, you can have Latang out with, with two forwards, and you can have Schultz out with a couple forwards, and you might even get a time where you can put three three forwards out there, and, and you, there's so much depth and different options you can have. I think that's what makes it, uh, makes it a little bit uh, scary because when you're going against them, if you're going to start off with a, you know, a Crosby out there, you're going to probably put your defensive-type player out there just to make sure he doesn't score. And when you're so worried in overtime about looking for those shut down in, in the right matchups, you're not really thinking about scoring and winning that overtime, and I think it's it's really paid dividends for the Pens. 
We're talking to Mike Grupp. He's brought to you by Auto Palace Porsche. Uh, Ian Cole's gone, and now Matt Hunwick is a scratch. Chad Ruweedle's getting a game. Is Ruweedle a guy you can count on game in and game out come playoff time? Listen, I've been a fan of this guy for a, f- a few years now. I just think he does everything. First of all, he, he's a right-handed shot, which I love. Um, and I know they already have a, a Latang and, and a Schultz. But having that right-handed shot, uh, he could do everything good. Nothing great. Um, but that's what you need. He's not going to be called upon to do anything great. He just has to be solid. And, and he was solid in his first game back in the lineup and uh, against Calgary. I, I like the way he played. And, you know, he'll have his mishaps once in a while, just like every D does. Um, so if you're going to let him be in there for the duration or a long period of time, I take my chances with him because I, I think he, he adds enough, um, solid, makes enough solid plays to make a difference. You have played in these games between the Penguins and Flyers. What is that atmosphere like, especially in Philadelphia? It's off the hook, isn't it? Yeah, I remember every time I think about it, I remember playing the home games, and I lived I lived north of Pittsburgh and, and driving in and heading over the bridge coming in. I just remember, you know, the music's up a little bit louder in the truck that day and you get to see the arena and you're pulling in and it's just a buzz and you just know that whether or not even if uh, the flyers were to the level of play that they're at now it didn't matter because you knew you're in a dogfight and, and for me um those were the games that that i felt were were made for me and you you just love to have those kind of opportunities to go out there and, and the rivalry games in the national hockey league they, that's what that's what it's all about uh especially this time of year getting ready for the playoffs i mean i sit here i literally woke up this morning and um just started thinking wow tonight's the penguins flyers it's going to be a good one i can't wait especially where the teams are at we've been waiting maybe maybe not both fan bases haven't been waiting but the hockey world has been waiting for the flyers to get back up there we know how squirrely those series have been in the past and uh this could be a first-round matchup, so you want to start sending a message from, from both sides. Who's going to finish first in the Metropolitan Division between Washington, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia, and how much does that really matter? I guess whoever finishes first, I don't want to think it's a lesser playoff opponent. Wow, just thinking out loud, Rupper, I'd rather play the Flyers than the Devils, and the Devils right now are in fourth. Yeah, um, I think to answer the first part, I, I, I actually think the Pens will end up taking this division Washington for me is um they've got a big issue with Braden Holpe um I I just they looked awful yesterday and I they haven't looked themselves uh in the last 10 games they've been kind of flirting with mediocrity Uh, the Penguins I think will keep peaking because they they they've been through it they know that they have to peak at this time of the year uh but as far as the matchups go I think this is the first year where there's not really a easy matchup. Remember last year we were talking about, hey, the best place to finish is fourth in the Metro, which was the Rangers, because you went to go over to the Atlantic, and it was a weak Atlantic, and you had Montreal in the first round. Then you had Ottawa, which ideally should have, you would have thought would have been an easy matchup. They weren't able to beat Ottawa, but we don't have that now. I mean, any matchup you get, any way you shake it, yeah, some are a little bit more daunting than others, but they're all going to be tough, and and I like it, because it's going to be a battle of, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I, I think the Penguins would beat the Flyers in a first-round matchup. I think it would be one that everybody would tune in for and love to watch. But is that an easy one? Absolutely not. 
Ropper, here come the Florida Panthers. They lost last night to Tampa in overtime, but they've won 7 out of 10. Trocheck, the Pittsburgh guy, he's going nuts. Can Florida make the playoffs, and could they win a series in the playoffs? I sure hope. I sure hope they can make it because I love, I love when those hot teams are getting going, coming down the stretch. And uh, you remember, I remember playing against the Pittsburgh team of 09 when uh, Dan Bosma came in and the way that team did down the stretch. You don't know what you're going to get, and you don't really want to get in their way. Um, and I think this is a team, you know, if you were to – can they win around? Yeah, I mean, the way they're playing right now, they they look really tough. And, and it was a really entertaining game against Tampa yesterday. But there's another matchup that I would love that I don't think the hockey world has truly gotten to see the the dislike or, or the rivalry between Tampa and Florida. That could be a first-round matchup as well. I think a lot of times when we're tuning into the Florida Panther games or we're watching anybody playing down in, in Florida, you see a lot of empty seats. But uh, the battle down there, it's for real, and, and I'd love to see it get on the national stage. Um, but that team right now, uh, they, they've got to continue that kind of play. But uh, they got a lot of games in hand, and, and they're playing really strong. How good is Barkov for Florida, the big center? Uh, I think he gets lost in the shuffle in terms of the uh, North American hockey media. But I think he's terrific, Rupper. And what about that stick he uses? It's so long, it looks like he barred it from Chara. <laughs> he's, uh, it's interesting because I think the best compliment you can get is from Piers. And I remember talking to my good friend Patrick Eliash a few years ago, probably two years ago now. And uh, we were just talking about you know the league and different players, and he was still playing at that time. And, and he said, I'll tell you what, this Alexander Barkov, is a top five player in the league today. That was two years ago. And I said, what? I mean, he's good. But, I mean, that's that's a little bit of a hefty praise you're giving him there. And he goes, no, I'm telling you, he can do everything. He's Anze Kopitar, but with more offensive skills. And um, I think we're starting to see it now. Is he uh, top five yet? No, I don't think so. Uh, but he's a guy that you can build around. I mean, this guy can really put an argument in there for the Selkie Trophy. He's so good on both sides of the puck. He's responsible for that big, long stick and that size frame that he has. He has a big reach. He uses it for his advantage defensively and offensively. Um, I think this. I think everyone's starting to see now. they got some special players down there. And you mentioned uh, Vinny Trocek. He, he's fantastic. He's been. He's been consistent. Um, Jonathan Huberdeau. They've got some. They got some guys down there that can uh, definitely dance um, and, and really uh, drive some offense. And finally, Rupert, uh, Vegas lost last night to Columbus 4-1. to Is Vegas starting to drag a bit? Did they use up their extra gear already? You know what? I, I, I've, I've kind of fought this through the years that what we saw from Vegas was their peak. And I give them a ton of credit to sustain it as long as they have. And maybe they could still sustain it and, and get back to that. But I didn't think that the ceiling can get any higher for them this year. I thought they were... I guess in layman's terms, they they were playing, they were playing playoff hockey all year long. Well, other teams are going to start cranking it up now, and they know they need to. So, can Vegas match that and, and kick it up a notch or two? I, I don't know if they can. So, is that going to be good enough for them? The way that they've kind of played all year. I mean, they've, they're in a little bit of a rut now, and um, but they're, they're still darn good hockey teams. So, uh, they, their team. I, I think they can win a round, but uh, I, I don't really see them doing much after that. Rupper, great stuff as always. We'll talk to you again next week. All right, sounds good. That's Mike Rupp. Can't wait for Penguins Flyers tonight, and 
Neither can I. Up next, we'll talk to Bob McLaughlin, and I want somebody to call in and tell me how the heck Lev Bell, this past season, had a better year than Todd Gurley of the L.A. Rams. 105.9 X. In Washington. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. So, uh, what's happening? He's a little guy. Huh? What? I'd love to get the ball to say what you want to say. Very good point. The X at 105.9. Uh, the New York Post gave Pitt a hard time in its official ACC tournament preview. It said Pitt's strengths were showing up to the next game on time. Their weaknesses, basketball. And the post added, picking when the title of every team dies laughing at the notion the Panthers are the only team in the nation to go winless in conference. Also, uh, last night Columbus beat Vegas 4-1. to Ian Cole scored again on Flurry. He scored on Flurry in each of the games where the Penguins played Vegas and then scored again last night when Columbus played Vegas. Ian Cole really does have Marc-Andre Flurry's number. I'm joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob, you've heard the stats. Is there any way to say that Le'Veon Bell had a better year last year than Todd Gurley, the back for the L.A. Rams? No, and I like the way you put that. Uh, I know earlier you were saying that uh, Gurley is a better player, but I like the way you put it right there. That uh, well, I think he had... probably is a better back than Le'Veon Bell because the stats indicate such, but if you want to just drill down to the stats and determine who had a better season last year, there's no way to claim it's Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, you can't look at those numbers and come away with any uh, anything else. He uh, had a better year. Um, so for last year, he was the better back. I don't have enough, though, for the eye test to say that he is a better player than Lev Bell. You know, I saw every play for Lev Bell last year. I think I saw one game for Todd Gurley last well, year. Well, let me tack so. on a few stats you, you put uh, on my screen here. Well, first off, Gurley made... 3.7 mil last year, going to be 4.4 this year, which is sizably less than Le'Veon Bell go. is asking for. Gurley's long rush last year was 57 yards. His long catch was 80 yards. Bell's long rush was 27 yards, and his long catch was 42 yards, confirming that Bell isn't the big play back, not the game breaker you would expect a back who wants what Bell wants to be. Yeah, and at one time, Mark, he had that. Uh, he, I mean, he had that. He was known as he a game-breaker. He had more of it. He had more of it. He was known as a game-breaker. He was known as a big-play guy. You know, that 80-yard reception last year from Gurley was a touchdown. Um, boy, I, I can't think of the biggest play by Lev Bell last year. And that's not me saying the Steelers wouldn't be Well, better. Lev Bell had eight plays last year of over 20 yards. Eight. Uh, Antonio Brown had 27. Yeah. So Gurley had 20. Yeah. So, I mean, all the numbers add up. I mean, if you look at your argument uh, the, he had the better season last year, but again, I can't say he's the better player, uh, but at that price, boy, at that price, you know, where all the GMs in this, in the league are going. Uh, Bob, you heard Dan Bosma say that Sidney Crosby's not the most skilled player in the NHL. I understand there are guys right now in a class with Sid for that mantle, I just can't believe Dan Bosma would say that. And I don't think Dan Bosma ever got Sid. 
I don't think Dan Bosma ever got or appreciated working with superstars. When I read the article this morning, Mark, and I grabbed a couple of things from it uh, and tweeted it out, I didn't want to just make it seem like it was Bosma piling on Sid or you know going on this rant about Sid not being the best player because he did follow up that sentence about him not being the best player, not the most skilled player in the NHL. And then he said, but he is the smartest. Now... <laughs> I think Dalen Balsma wants a job behind a microphone somewhere, and he's going to use things like that to get it because he knows what Sidney Crosby means to the Penguins, to the NHL, the success he's had. He knows most people in the NHL world will say that Sidney Crosby is the best player in the world right now. Um, well, no, I think you can make a case for McDavid. Well, sure. I think you can make a case that Austin Matthews is in that class, and certainly Ovechkin's goal scoring speaks for itself. I just think Dan showed a low-rent side, when he kind of put the boots to, however subtly, the guy who got him his Stanley Cup. Exactly, and he had to know exactly how that was going to be received. He had to know what he was doing with it. Again, the first blush, reading that comment, I thought, he wants to be behind the microphones again. He wants a job in the media. This is one way to get noticed, because you know that story's going to go everywhere. Everybody's going to see it, and maybe somebody jumps on it and says, hey, we want you saying stupid things like that for us. Uh, that's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, here's a quote about Lev Bell from a guy named Matt. It's pretty good. You hear about possession receivers. Lev Bell is a possession back. Controls the game, is great at that, but not a game breaker. I'll buy that. I'm Mark Madden. In just a moment, I'm going to tell you about the weirdest custody battle in the history of divorce because it involves high school football. 105.9 The X.